How's that? Yeah? Not too awful. How is it over there? Yeah? Okay. Means I don't have to work quite so hard, so maybe that's good. So, in the weeks that I've been here recently, so not all of the weeks, we've been talking about a sequence of conditions for waking up. And we talked at the beginning about when we're suffering, which is the first of the conditions, how important it is to meet our difficulty with some, really with some interest in learning from it. That it's often the places where we suffer that are really difficult for us, that are what bring us to some kind of practice and really start us on our journey. And I imagine that for many of you that's true. I know it certainly was for me. And that um, there comes that point in that process when we trust often someone enough to do something that they suggest, like, why don't you go to the meditation group or something like that? And, or here's a book, why don't you read it? Or here's a tape or a, a DVD, why don't you... Even with the PA, that's a little bit of competition. Why don't you listen or watch? And there's a kind of trust or conviction that begins to arise. And, the, and we start to practice or, and meditate or go to a group or listen to talks, whatever it is that each one of us has done. And then out of that, some joy arises. You know, this is cool. And I was actually thinking, as I was thinking about this afternoon, about last week's gathering about the prison dharma teachings and how often when I get to read the newsletter from that group, the one that's called the Sangha Connection, you can find it over there, I'm always touched by the depth of joy that comes with the practice of people who are in prison and what a gift it is for them and how much they value it and how hard they work. It's always astounding to me. Um, so if any of you are interested in that and you missed last week's talk, you can talk to Heidi over here later because she can tell you about it. <coughs> Sign you up to go and volunteer and help out. So let me read to you an analogy. This comes from some of the commentaries and the, uh, the suttas. And it will probably sound kind of familiar. It's about a person who's traveling along a path through a great desert. And they're really thirsty and, and really wanting a drink. And so if you see somebody under those circumstances, what do you say? You say, where is the water? You know, can you show me where there's some water? And the other might say, over there, beyond the wood, there's a dense forest and a lake, and if you go over there, you'll get some. And of course, when you hear those words, and you're really, really thirsty, what's your response, right? Oh, great, you know, water at last. 
and you could see the woods probably. So you go over there and, and maybe as you're going over, according to this image, you see people who have wet clothes and hair. That's a, probably a pretty good sign. And you hear the sounds of birds and you see how green the forest is, which probably lets you know that there's water nearby. And, um, and then you see the actual edge of the lake, right? And um, when you see the lake, then you see all the flowers growing on the lake, and you see the water. And of course, there's even more joy and more delight that comes up under those circumstances. And then, of course, you go into the lake, and you bathe, and you drink as much water. This is in the days when you didn't <laughs> worry about putting it through your water filter. And, um, and then, you know, after a while, when you've had all the water that you need and you feel kind of cooled down, uh, maybe um, if you know which ones to eat, it says here you eat the fibers and the stalks of the lilies. I don't know that I would dare to do that, but um, munch a little on things that are there. Maybe pick a couple of flowers to wear and, um, and you get out of the lake and you put your clothes on and then Maybe you lie there in the sun or in the shade and the breeze blows and and you go, oh, bliss, oh, bliss. This is really fabulous. So this is an analogy for what happens in our practice, actually, that there's that place where you hear that there's the water, right? And, And then there comes that point and there's a lot of happiness that comes up and then there's that place where you're actually drinking the water and you're pouring it over your head and you're swimming around in the lake and and it feels wonderful and and that's in the um, in this particular line of thinking that's the place of rapture where it's gone beyond joy. You're actually experiencing this, this wonderful thing. And then after that comes the place where you kind of can relax and chill out a little bit. You know, you've, you've taken in all this water and you can lie there in the sun or the shade, whichever feels good, and, and really rest and things calm down quite a bit. So these are the these next two, the, the rapture and the tranquility. I mean, each person has a different kind of experience of them in your practice. And I'm, as I've talked to many people over the years, you know, there's often a kind of um, enthusiasm that comes and, and people sign up for lots of classes and lots of retreats and they read lots of books and they listen to lots of talks and, and there's that way in which we take in and take in and take in and there's so much excitement about the practice and then there's the next stage where it begins to stabilize a little and calm down and get a little more tranquil and the really important thing to see about these you know, as I look at this list I mean, you have this whole block. We're not really going to talk about happiness today. That's the next one. But you have joy, and you have rapture, and you have tranquility, and then you have happiness. This is long before you get to seeing things as they are. 
And so this is really good news, you know. This is about really letting you know that um, these places of happiness and joy in our practice are actually things that you want to cultivate. It's not something, it's not an accident, it doesn't mean you're not working hard enough. You know, we come from such a culture of got to work hard, you know, got to do the 70-hour work week, and then you have to go home and get online and do a few more things before you go to bed. And, and it's just, you know, it's kind of relentless. And sometimes that same stance comes over into our practice, and that's not so helpful, actually. And, and the Buddha in this teaching is saying, you know, wait a minute, stop, <laughs> don't go there. Remember that, that this, the, the joy and, the, and the, the actual excitement and rapture and the tranquility and the happiness are, are very, very important parts of the practice and that they need to be touched on and taken in and, and enjoyed before you can actually have deep experiences of insight. So I thought today, so I'm going to say something else completely other, actually. While I was up at Spirit Rock for the, for the last two days at a couple of days of meetings, <coughs> where I got this bug that I'm dealing with, um, somebody was talking about the, some book on pedagogical theory that they'd been reading and quoted, we were talking about the importance of Dharma talks. And so there's a theory now that you shouldn't talk for more than 20 minutes max because nobody can take in any more than that. And somebody said to me, because they knew I would know, well, how long, you know, if you're a Christian minister, how long do you talk when you give a sermon? And I said, oh, usually 15 or 20 minutes, you know, none of these 40-minute Dharma talks. And we were also talking about the importance then included in this conversation of what is known as the practice of inquiry, where you actually inquire into your own experience. And that that's, um, it's actually in the you know, various lists of kinds of practices. And it occurred to me that it, we hadn't done it for a while in here. And so I'm going to suggest that we do just that, that you're going to talk to each other in just a minute. So it's always important to say at this point, please don't get up and leave, because it's tempting. People go, oh, I don't want to do that. But I'd like to invite you to hold this as just as important as the sitting practice. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to kind of clump up in twos or threes with people who are near you. And so if you do that, then I'll give you, just do it in silence, just turn towards somebody who's near you, no more than three, please, in a group. So you've got two or three people. Let's see. And if you're solo, just hook up with somebody. So that, let's see, Dana, we have two groups of three. Maybe if you turn around with the woman on the, no, in front of you, right here, the woman on the blue cushion. And that way, Carmen and um, this young man can be together. And if you'd like to join in with one of these groups, that would be great. So I'm going to ask each of you to talk in turn. Join this group if you'd like. And um, 
and to talk some about your own experience of joy, rapture, or excitement, and that kind of happy settling in, the tranquility. So anything that appeals to you in this, you can just give it the umbrella of happiness, if you will. In your own practice, you know, how that happened for you, when it happened for you, does it happen for you, do you forget about being happy in your practice and just make it hard work, you know, whatever. So you're really just walking around your own situation. Each person is going to have about four minutes, and while you have your four minutes, no one else gets to talk. So this is not a conversation. This is a monologue. So if you're not talking, your job is to listen mindfully. Okay? And you don't have to react or respond because it's not a social conversation. You're just listening. And then I'll ring the bell at the end of four minutes and the person who isn't talking will talk. And then I'll ring the bell again, and then the two groups of three, I think we just have two groups of three, the third person will get to talk. And in the groups of two, then you can have a conversation about what you've just said. Okay, are we clear? So when you talk, your job is to try to stay present in your body, allow to come up, whatever comes up. This may take you someplace you don't even know that you're going to go. You don't have to have an agenda. It doesn't have to be perfect. If you're listening, your job is to be in your body and to be as mindful as possible, just present, just listening, really doing your friend the honor of listening to them, which is not something that happens so often in our world. And then you can have your conversation in the last four minutes. So take just a minute now before we start and find out each other's names. That would be nice. And establish who's going to go first. Okay, ready? Everybody know? All right, so the first person can begin.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.